I was thinking about laws as I was reading through Leviticus and as I was preparing for this message. And I was thinking about a time when I was in college and a time when I had uh, uh, gone to the boundary waters up on the border of uh, the United States and Canada and Minnesota. So I went to Concordia University in St. Paul, Minnesota, and, and to go to the Boundary Waters is a beautiful thing in the summertime, and it's a place where people will go and camp and canoe around the lakes and, and rivers there, and it's just a beautiful place to go. Except we were going in the middle of January, and it was especially cold this weekend. I mean, cold like 30, 40 below the actual temperature, not the wind chill. It was cold. And as we were going up, I was driving, we took my car, and I was driving, and as a college student does, was driving a little too fast. And uh, I, of course, got pulled over, and I received a speeding ticket, and I deserved it, and I knew that I had deserved it, I knew that I was speeding. And as the officer said to me right at the end, he said, hey, just be careful, there's a lot of ice and snow on the roads, take your time and get safely to where you're going, or something along those lines. And it made me realize that the law was there to protect me, right? But you still feel that initial anger, disappointment in yourself, you know, anger, uh, guilt, shame, disappointment, all those things. You feel all those things when you break the law, when you do something you know you shouldn't do. And it's the same way in our relationship with God, that our relationship with God works in the same way. So you may initially think, well, why do we have to read through a book of all these laws, especially the ones we don't follow anymore? Because there's some ceremonial laws that we don't follow, and there's some other laws that we don't follow. So why do we have to follow the, why do we have to read through this? And I want to tell you because it's an important part of the history of the Old Testament but it also points us to the New Testament and points us to Jesus Christ. We'll get to that in just a minute. So in, in the book of Leviticus, there's a few different kinds of laws. One of them is uh, the laws and how to give sacrifices, the sacrificial law that is given to us. And so we're given the sacri sacrificial laws in order to know exactly how to make the right sacrifices to God. So sometimes you would make a, a sacrifice to God for forgiveness of sins. So they would sacrifice usually a, a perfect lamb, especially Passover. You read about Passover back in Exodus. And so you would offer that perfect lamb as a sacrifice for your sin. And in that, God would forgive you of your sin. And you'd be reminded of the goodness of God. But also in that, you realize that um, there were other kinds of sacrifices, that there were sacrifices that were meant to be offerings to God. Thank offerings especially, giving thanks. And so there's some of, some of the part, books, part of Leviticus it has to deal with that. And then there's a, a, some of the laws of the way that you worship and the way that you do things, the way that the priest has to do things, because really the Levitical uh, laws are ones that are for the priests. The tribe of Levi is the tribe where all of the, all of the priests come from. So remember, Jacob has the 12 sons. One of them is the Levite. 
is Levi. And so from him and from his, his uh, ancestors will come the priests for the Israelites in the future. And so that's where that word Leviticus, Levi, is at the beginning of it. So that's the reason that we call, these are the Levitical laws. So you have these, these laws, the priestly laws, that they have to follow for worship and things dealing with God. And then you get to the, the, the last of the laws that will be covered and the ones that help you remain clean, or, uh, clean and pure or unclean and impure. So it doesn't mean like holy and unholy or anything like that. It just means that when you go into the presence of God, we have to be clean. God is holy and he is perfect. And that's what he demands his followers to be. And so you realize that God is going to work this way, that he wants his people to be clean, that when we go into the presence of God, we should be clean or pure. Now, what are ways that you become unpure, impure? Well, you um, get into contact with, with death or you, hold, you have a, put, touch a dead body or um, you touch things um, that are dead, you have a skin disease, all these things kind of make you unclean or impure. And so then there's rituals and sacrifices to, that you do and you become pure again. It's kind of like if we look at, think about it in the terms of COVID, you have a 14-day period where you have to isolate and where you have to quarantine yourself. You know, it's similar to that. There's a certain amount of time for some of these laws, and then you're clean again, and then you can do the things that you need to do to worship God and to be in his presence. Okay, so that's a lot of the book of Leviticus, and that's a really simplified way of explaining it. But smack dab in the middle of, of Leviticus is this term, we hear about the term the scapegoat. And you're going to read about the scapegoat. And this points us forward to Jesus Christ. Because what the priest does once a year, he's, he takes that goat and he places the sins of the people of Israel on that goat and he sends it out into the foreign land. And it's important that it's, it goes to the, out away from the people of Israel because it carries the sins away. It's the scapegoat for the people's sins of Israel. Very much just like Jesus takes on the sins of the world when he goes to the cross and he dies for our sins. That scapegoat would carry the sins of the people away and they would be forgiven of their sins. And that's exactly what Jesus does for us on the cross. When he gives himself as a sacrifice, he does that out of love for you and for me. It's the reason why he came into the world was to die for our sins so that we could be made clean so that we don't have to follow all of these impure and impure laws that we can go right to God. And know that we're forgiven. Know that we are loved. It's why we confess our sins at the beginning of worship. To remind us that we're, we are sinful, but yet God forgives. And we have new life in him. <laughs> that it's the best thing that we can receive. And we have the hope that comes to us in Jesus Christ. That we're loved. That God is always with us. 
that he'll never leave us or forsake us, that we are, that there's nothing that can separate us from his love. You see, we have those promises and we live in those promises freely as God's children. But we also live as people who, we still have to follow laws. The Ten Commandments just don't go away. Jesus doesn't abolish the Ten Commandments. In fact, the first three commandments are about loving God. And the next, the next seven commandments are about loving our neighbors. And as the video said, loving your neighbor is important. Love your neighbor as you love yourself. Think about how much during the day you think about yourself. Love your neighbor the way that you love yourself. So why do we need the law? Why do we need to, to read through this book of Leviticus? Why do we need the laws? If Jesus died for us and, and, and he took our sins for us, why can't we just live like that? And why can't we just know that we're okay? And I would say this, because if we don't have the law, we don't have the sweetness of the gospel. You see, the law is important because it acts in three ways. And for those of you who have been through confirmation somewhat recently, hopefully this will be a review for you. The first way the law acts is as a curb. Think about when you're driving and if there's a curb, it keeps you from going off the road, right? Well, that's what the law does. It keeps us from doing things we shouldn't be doing. The second way the law acts is it acts as a mirror. When we look at ourselves in the mirror, there's nothing we can hide from ourselves in the mirror. And that's what the law does with our sin. It shows us our sin. And it shows us that we need a savior. And then the last thing that the law does, the law, the law acts as a guide. It tells us which way we should go. If you think about a tour guide, you would follow a tour guide and he would point things out. That's what the law does. It tells us, okay, we should do this. Okay, we shouldn't do this. You know, and, and so the law acts as those three ways as a curb to, to keep us from going off in the wrong direction. It acts as a mirror. It shows us our sin. And lastly, it acts as a guide to show us the way we should live. And so you start to think about the law and, and you start to think about God's promises and you start to think about the way that God set these things up. And it's like, there's no way I can follow that law. God, why would you ever make this so difficult? And the reason why he does that is to remind us that we need a savior, that we all need the promise of Jesus Christ, that we all need to be reminded of the love that he has poured out for us on the cross that day, how he took our sins as a scapegoat. And we are forgiven and we are loved by him. You see that no matter what we do, we know that we're forgiven and loved. God calls us out of our sin. Think about when, when Adam and Eve sinned. What did they try to do? They tried to isolate themselves and they were full of anxiety with God, right? So think about Adam and Eve when they walked through the Garden of Eden and things were perfect and things were good and they walked with God and they talked with God and things were good. And then Satan comes along in the form of a serpent and deceives them. And he tells them what not to do. And they do it and they listen. 
And one of the first things they try to do is they try to hide themselves from God and they try to cover their sin up, right? They realized they were naked. They covered themselves up and they hid from God. And God walks through the garden and he's looking for them. And we think, how foolish are Adam and Eve that, that they really think that they can get away for, with their sin. <laughs> and then we realize we do the same thing. We try to hide and isolate ourselves from God too because we know that there's no way that we can live up to his promises and live up to the laws that he's given to us. And so we struggle and we, we isolate ourselves and we get afraid of God. And really what we need to remember is that we have a God who came to save us from our sins. A God who loves us and cares for us. A God who took on our sins and he took them all away. Christ was a scapegoat for us. What a beautiful picture it is to remember that we have a God who loves and cares for us. As you go about your week this week, and as, especially as Thanksgiving comes, remember to, to, to be grateful to God. Remember to not hide and not, be, not isolate yourself from, from other people. Take precautions in, in a world full, full of, uh, of, of times when it's time to be careful and to be cautious. Don't isolate. There's a difference between isolating and taking time to be by yourself. And if you're, if you're by yourself during this week, remember God is with you, that he walks with you and he talks with you. He speaks to you in his word. And as you read through the book of Leviticus, you'll see that. And it's going to be a bit of a challenge. <laughs> but I, I promise you, it's worth reading. Because it's in that, in that book that we see the laws and we see the love that God poured out to us. That it was from the very moment that Adam and Eve sinned, he had the, the, the plan of salvation already for all of us. And so we give thanks to God for that. We give thanks to God for calling us his children and for making Christ our scapegoat so that we know that there's no sin that can ever separate us from his love. God's blessings to you on your week and remember those promises of God. In the name of Jesus Christ, our hope and our Savior, amen. <laughs>